Hey folks, before we get started on today's episode, I just want to say a word about the score. Our guest this week is Owen Korzik, and he's out there producing lots of new music, mostly for other bands these days. So he gave us a few of the projects that he's working on currently, and the music cues you'll hear in this episode will be from those. So just want to give a quick shout out to Harrison Goodall and Justin Davis. You'll be hearing their music in the little instrumental breaks. And of course, a shout out to Owen for producing them. So if you like what you hear, head over to Instagram, show them some support, and of course, give Owen a follow as well. Enjoy the show. As I was thinking about this episode, actually, I was like, wow, growth mindset is something I really, really stand by. And it's like, I always question it when I see some a pattern like that. I'm like, okay, what, <laughs> what would the opposite perspective be? Yeah. What I, I like, I've noticed a couple things. One is like the push for self-development can take away from self-acceptance mm. and also sort of just like chilling the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> so like what I realized recently is like sometimes I get into these phases where I'm like really intense, like trying to like learn or like master a skill or like things like that. And then like I'll go months without just like having like some time to just chill and just laugh about dumb shit and just like enjoy the moment. Yeah. And um, like recently earlier this year, I, I took a break where I just took a bunch of days off because I just like I was starting to uh, burn out a bit. And so I unplugged for a bit and just like recentered. And like that was one thing I noticed is that I just started being able to like think silly again and just kind of la- like laugh at stuff. And like it's not too important, man. You know, yeah. like the irony is that by learning to relax, you're also still growing even more than if you were caught in growth, if that makes sense. Yeah. So it's it's actually still growth, but it's like, it. I guess it depends on whether a person values growth or comfort more in their life. Like if they value comfort, that could be like this truly meaningful thing to them where it's like, that's their resting place. Like they don't have to move further, you know, like they just, like someone who like parties a lot, you know, like that's not about growth. That's about hanging out. But you know, like, who am I to judge that? Because, like, all the fun memories of their life could happen during that time where they're not trying to grow at all. So it's like, you can really spin the concept on its head. And it's like, what if the growth is actually just enjoying life? And, like, for someone who can't slow down and just, like, have fun, joke around and enjoy life, like, is their growth actually stunted by that, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think I've definitely seen that. I've seen myself be impatient too, where I'm like, I just want things too fast. Mm. I just gotta just chill out a bit. And like the growth will happen bigger if it's slower, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's part of why I really liked that term, extreme growth mindset. Like it's one of those things, (laughs) I really think it like, it captures the idea well. And like I said, I'd never really thought about it until today, but it's funny because it almost shows you that that extreme of having a growth mindset can almost become a fixed mindset again. You know, it's like you're perpetually stuck in first gear. You're you're fixed in motion in a way. You're not like planted, but you're deathly afraid of shifting out of that gear and like actually taking the chill pill for once. And like, yeah, I've been guilty of that for sure in my life. And it's, it is funny too, because you see now like the hustle culture or like the Mm -hmm. grind culture and stuff like that. Like in short bursts, there's totally a place for that mindset where you like you get yourself into that tunnel vision and you just go but when it becomes its own kick it can be devastating yeah i think that goes into the point about like keeping it sustainable because it took me a while to realize that i even fall into the hustle thing sometimes because i just like 
like knowing myself behind the scenes, I kind of naturally think of myself as kind of a lazy person or maybe I just like grew up that way earlier. So it's like an overcompensation that I like, like I have to work hard because that's like not my like natural inclination or something. But it's what I ran into a lot is like if I tried to get better at something too fast, I actually it's like cutting corners, basically. And mm -hmm. then you'll run into. Yeah, I kind of had this like I had a period where I wasn't focusing on my physical health as much or like things like just stretching like maybe I was exercising but I was not doing anything like mobility wise and then I ran into those posture issues yeah. like that's an example of like you just ignore and deny one area because you're like dead set on growth on yeah. another and that's like a fixed mindset in itself to not be able to balance like yeah. I feel like at the end of the day balance is like the I don't know like I might even throw that viewpoint out at some point because like the the cool thing about growing in a sustainable way is that like you can just it's like smooth sailing you know it's mm. like i'm trying to keep things in balance so that like for instance like for me like because i'm running a business that's a very admirable goal to not have like it booms and then it fails like no one wants that you'd want like a steady uh, growing business or something like that but yeah. then there's another side of it is like I feel like sometimes that smooth, sustainable life, it's like you get no stories to tell. Yeah. Like mm. it gets a little bit like harder to like write a song about it or something <laughs> like, cause you, like you're, you're preventing yourself from going through hard shit, you know? But I think we just, we literally discussed this before in the last episode. It's like, you can't manufacture that though. You know, it just has to happen. Life just has to hit you. And what comes up for me when thinking about extreme growth like that is how it affects a lot of your interpersonal relationships. Because I definitely hit a point when I turned 30 or so where I was really starting to examine my mental health a lot to the point where once I had a lot of shit figured out, I would look at the people around me who didn't have their shit figured out so much and just say like, well, why? What's taking you so long? You know, and I would kind of burn some bridges and leave people in my dust, so to speak, because it felt like I didn't want to hang back on their behalf and mingle with the unhealthy aspects of their lifestyles that I was trying to leave behind for myself. And so that gives you a feeling of superiority when you're growing to that degree with that speed. It was good for me, but it wasn't good for my relationship so much. And so the question I would ask is if you are in an extreme growth mindset, how do you maintain the balance of growing but not resenting the people who aren't? There is definitely like a legitimate energy differential there too. Mm -hmm. Like when we've talked sometimes about like that kind of reactionary thinking that has to happen when you're making a major life change. Like if you're, I think we've used the example before of like getting sober or something like that, where you, some in some cases for certain people, you almost have to become very anti-drug or very kind of like straight edge-esque yeah. in, in your philosophy just to like give yourself a push almost and work with the inverse of what you've got. And I, I've found that too. Like it's really hard to find that compassion or honestly to just take that breath and slow down and accept that like there's a major difference in energy between you and that other person when it's like everything that they do is making you slow down and you finally feel like there's some goddamn wind in your sails and it's like oh god don't make me do this or I, I don't know how to be genuine about this you know like I don't know how to make you feel heard without bullshitting you because I see now that there's something a little bit around this corner that you don't see yet 
And yeah, that 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 grace is really hard to find sometimes. Yeah, it's like the the transcend and include thing that we were talking about in our discussion group a few weeks back, and like we were talking about defining yourself in opposition to what you're kind of growing out of. And I think like when you're looking at a growth mindset, look at you know the political landscape that our country is always in. We get four years of one president who believes one thing. We have four years of another president who believes another thing. And we keep like not steadily evolving because it's like it's a staggered evolution because of the ideological shifts that take place when different majorities are in power. Hmm. And so when every four to eight years, our country defines itself in opposition to what it had been four to eight years previously, are we actually growing? Are we actually evolving? Or are we continuously changing our identity in favor of one ideology over another? That's not actual growth. And so Mm -hmm. what comes to mind for me is that it transcend and include thing. And people love to shit on centrists, but like, (laughs) (laughs) and let's take this out of the political landscape, I guess. But like, you have to find common ground with people. You have to not just define yourself in opposition to what you were before you chose to grow. Because if all you are is opposing then that's not necessarily growing. Like that space has to be held and you have to learn how to coexist with the thing that you don't want to be anymore Mm. because it will always be a part of you. It's almost like not quite balancing. It's like a um, pendulum. And like, I think some people would argue that that is how growth works. It's like, it does like when, when people talk about like a, like a, how the learning curve is not linear, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like there's ups and downs, there are ups and downs, but it's also like, if that is too unsteady, it's it's kind of hard to tell whether that's a problem or not. Mm. I think, at least for me, as like if the ups and downs are too big, like I actually that to me feels like unstable. Like I would feel internally, like my nervous system would be like all over the place. I wouldn't <laughs> be able to think straight if my life was just like massive like highs like things going perfect 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 and then slamming like everything sabotaging which happens to some people's lives like you know like they'll get like a bunch of cool opportunities and they're they're riding that high for a long time and then you know they do something wrong and it ruins it you know and then they're back to square one so well at the core of it too i think is just like straight up mindfulness you know like that's i think to me that's what makes it a growth mindset as opposed to a fixed mindset. Like I read that as like the idea of a growth mindset is more about kind of inviting the potential for growth as opposed to actually like actively growing at all times or engaging in personal growth, which can certainly be the case. But at the same time, it's important to just kind of like be constantly taking stock in whatever shape that takes for you. Like just kind of being receptive to the idea that you might encounter some stimulus that you weren't expecting and it might throw you on down a different track and like that's that's okay or somebody might counter an opinion that you hold very closely and might blow your mind and that's also okay and that's the crucial thing as opposed to constant growth at any pace you know because then you're just making sure that it's like it's like when you're you know playing like dodgeball or something and you just don't want to be standing there with like your knees locked and everything because like somebody's gonna tabletop you or whatever like you're gonna break something just like give it a slight bend you know like make sure you're able to like move around or if you're at like a mosh pit or like you're doing something like that like don't be the guy with the hands in the pockets like that's Mm. that's the fixed mindset uh, (laughs) because all it takes is one drunk dude in a tank top and you're 
life is shattered. <laughs> so like, That's so it's funny. a, you know, it's like almost the growth that happens or doesn't happen is almost inconsequential next to the mindset that allows for that growth. And mindfulness is the key to that in my head, at least, you know, to making that happen. It's so hard to look forward and so easy to move back. It's so easy to quit moving forward and hard to keep your mind intact. Well, we're practically talking about beginner's mind again. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> it's very natural to want to be advanced. It's very natural to want to be experienced in some arena like we were talking about earlier this is why we project ourselves as more than we are on social media because there is a benefit to being a leader or being more of an expert or being more of a person who knows what they're talking about and who has some legitimacy to their name but to be humbled enough that you can label yourself a beginner is actually to be open to growth and that growth is always going to lead you to a more genuine and authentic experience of having evolved and developed into a person who authentically is deserving of that experience. And to go back to the whole social media thing that we were talking about, like, oh, actually, you know, I'll, I'll quote uh, our friend Andy O, who was on the podcast a few weeks ago, who said something like, um, success can be expiring, inspiring, but I don't see how faking success can be. It was something, I'm paraphrasing, hmm. but something like that. And so I think to project yourself as somebody with success or to project yourself as somebody who is an expert, to project yourself as somebody who knows more than they actually know might inspire you to like have take on the ambition to, to grow and to gain more experience in something. But it's not going to inspire other people, you know, to take a journey with you. If you're saying like, I'm already here. Yeah. I'm trying to like figure out in my head how that's not inspiring though. Cause it's funny. I've actually been thinking about almost the reverse of that lately where, especially recently I had a phase of kind of like being a bit too humble and kind of like talking down my abilities. Like I would, social media is a perfect example, like where like a lot of people are trying to show their best. They're trying to, you know, if they're teaching something, they're, they're trying to appear as an expert. And it's like, I had a phase where I was actually very much avoiding that. And it was like kind of this mindset of like, oh, like things should speak for themselves. And it's like, I had to almost train myself to not be too humble to the point where people actually got the wrong idea that I'm incapable, you know? <laughs> it's like, it's very easy to mess that up, especially as artists with our own self-doubt. Like when we struggled to separate our personal self-critic from where our expertise actually is at, you know, it's like, there's a lot of things I'm very good at, it, but my own self-doubt kind of prevented me from sharing that, you know? Yeah. And it's like, that is an example of almost the reverse where it's like, I don't think I heard that beginner's mindset episode, but it's almost like, that would almost be the reverse of like an expert's mind where it's like, why aren't you already an expert? You know, like, especially when it comes to like something like your own authenticity, like, I'm an expert at being owned Korzak. You know, no one else can do that. <laughs> it's like kind of thinking in that way and just like taking pride in your own uniqueness and like your perspectives and the way you do things. It's, it, that's something but kind of new to me that I'm exploring. The beginner's so, mind yeah. thing is more 
are you also an expert in who Owen Korzik wants to be in 10 years? Right. And the answer to that is, of course you're not, because (laughs) you haven't actually had that lived experience yet. And so to go like, okay, who I am now is different from what my ambitions will ultimately lead to. It's also different from the level of expertise that you think you have when you might not have it. Not even expertise. What was I just thinking? Um, when <laughs> For years, I thought I knew how to do a proper guitar setup. And I didn't. But I had sanded down a saddle once or twice. And I had adjusted a few truss rods in my day. There's a lot more to setting up a guitar than that. Mm-hmm. And I'm learning that now because I want to get into that skill set now. That requires that you admit that you never knew how to do it in the first place. And so for me, beginner's mind is like, I thought I knew a lot about fixing guitars. I thought I knew a lot about DIY recording. I thought I knew a lot about a great deal of skill sets that I had dabbled in. And I didn't claim to be an expert at any of them, but I did claim to be more than a novice. Or I did think that I was more than, not claim, but I did think that I was more than a novice. Mm. And so now I'm going like, well, there's always more to learn about those things. And... I don't know that I want to be an expert in any of them, but I'm certainly not an expert now. And if I just acknowledge that there's more to learn and it will be fun to learn more, then that's what beginner's mind has been for me. But it's also very much, I don't know that when I get to this place that I'm ambitious to reach, that I will feel more fulfilled than I do now. So to take away the desire of wanting to be more than you are, because you don't know that being that version of yourself will actually be any more fulfilling and to take more, more stock in like the moment that you're in and less stock in the ambitions that you set for yourself. Interesting. Not that ambitions are bad, but ambitions should exist so that we can grow so that we can better ourselves, not so that we can be a different version of ourselves, which Hmm. is an interesting distinction. Yeah, that's interesting. I've always been very, very ambitious and, I don't know. Maybe I'm not very loud about it. Like I'm, I definitely believe in the whole like silent goals sort of mindset of just like keep it to yourself and just like make it be your own sort of intermission sort of Mm -hmm. thing. But I've had to train myself to think more in the mindset of like, okay, you're already good at this. But my natural state, which is still going all the time, is that mindset of like, yeah, there's way more to learn, you know, like even to the point of like, feeling like you have to completely redo your skill set, you know? Mm. So I, I think both perspectives are good. You know, like a lot of things, it's balance. I feel like so many podcasts, like people explore different viewpoints and then it's like, yeah, it's, it's like balance. You know? <laughs> it's kind of like what it all amounts to, but it's good to uh, explore both. Mm. Yeah. I definitely like, I, I never thought of it before as like going back to, beginner in a way of like I don't perceive it that way as like when I'm learning something that's like kind of humbling or like it feels almost like starting over like it doesn't feel like a beginner thing to me it actually feels like that is exactly when things are leveling up it's kind of interesting like I see the almost the pain and the realization and the humbling as like it's almost guaranteed you're on a more advanced path because you just figured out the correct direction you know yeah And it's just inevitable, you know, in time. Well, maybe there's a similarity there then, you know, between beginner's mind and growth mindset versus, you know, just feeling like a constant perpetual beginner and 
constantly perpetually growing, you know, where like it's the mindset of each one that kind of just changes your posture, doesn't necessarily change your motion. Because I think like to make the beginner's mindset sustainable, and I mean sustainable over like a lifetime or like to make it enjoyable really for mm -hmm. a long enough time that you would want to gain inspiration that way, mm -hmm. um, there has to be a sort of small amount of like healthy narcissism or something where you just at least feel capable as a human being so that each humbling doesn't feel like your world's being torn down, but you feel like, oh, I'm I'm entering this room where I'm going to be the stupidest person or I'm going to be the least qualified to do that, you know, even figurative room, but like, I'm going to go do something that I'm pretty sure I suck at, but like, it's going to be okay. And I really want to learn how to do this. There's how is that amount. narcissism? I don't know. I've heard it just described as healthy narcissism, not narcissism, <laughs> but like... Is there a thing that's healthy narcissism? It's kind of like, you know, just that confidence that you're going to... It's it's confidence, but it's not tethered to a thing. You know, it's just like I'm I'm whole. I do get the idea of like narcissism on a spectrum in a way. Okay, yeah. I, I could see that as being why that that wording could be used. But um, yeah, it's interesting too. Like another thing I was thinking about is how like if you're someone who has like experienced like working with the narcissist and like experiencing that personality of like oh wow this person totally overtalked themselves up. They couldn't do what they said they you know, claim they could, that almost gave me a little bit of an, an tendency to overcorrect and be like, oh, I never want to be like that kind of person. But then that confidence is important, especially in a professional context, because it's like you're trying to get people to trust you fast. Like say I'm producing Alicia Keys or something like just some, some crazy grand opportunity that would be like overwhelming it's like the mentality to go into that with if you feel like you're still young and green is like you can't be like constantly self-deprecating and making everybody nervous about what you're doing but <laughs> yeah. you also need to be extremely like humble and willing to take feedback and correct yourself and like so it's like kind of that double-edged sword of like you don't want to like make people nervous about you but you also need to be completely open to feedback and realistic and not like claiming you can do things you can't, you know? So it's yeah. like very, I've heard, um, there's this one business guy, um, Sam Melvins, he's not really on social media much, but he posted this one post once about how he said like successful people have this juxtaposition of like confidence and insecurity. And I found that really interesting because it kind of brings down home that point of like, confident enough to like be putting yourself out there and stuff but then like insecure enough to like have this drive to constantly learn and do more you know so it's kind of an interesting perspective of like those things are existing at the same time give it a little time a little time a little time a little time ain't easy ain't easy but i Do you think it has to be insecurity or pain on some level that prompts that? Or do you think it can happen in the absence of those things? See, that's like one of those things that's hard to, because when people talk about mental health or whatever, it's like a lot of people are painting insecurity as the thing to avoid. But like, how do we know? You know, like maybe insecurity is a very useful, natural thing that we should just never... And also, like, I've heard people describe it as, like, being confident in your insecurities. Or it's mm -hmm. like, you are insecure, but you're confident. 
anyway, you know, it's like there's so many different ways to try to explain it, but it's like you can't really theorize it. You just kind of have to live life and find what works, I guess. Like maybe it's a matter of just how insecure or like where, in what ways, that kind of stuff too. Like, yeah, like you don't want to be fundamentally insecure as a person because then every right. breeze that goes by is going to be a threat. But like if you are a little bit, maybe it keeps you hungry, but yeah. it's not so bad that it's going to like screw you up day to day and like lead to yeah. imposter syndrome and stuff like that. I think of it as more surface level, like being not insecure as like a default state you're carrying around all day. Like that sucks, you know? And that prevents growth, I think. But like, it's almost like an ups and downs of like having moods of confidence and insecurity and just having that flow kind of uninterrupted, mm. I think is valid. I don't know. <laughs> but then is it insecurity in, in the small enough doses where it would be healthy? Is it actually insecurity? I guess it depends how you define it. You know? yeah. I mean, like, I think that's, you're pointing to the fine line between insecurity and humility. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> well, Miriam Webster or Oxford, whatever the hell this is, Google, says um, it's just uncertainty or anxiety about oneself, lack of confidence, um, the state of being open to danger or threat or lack of protection. I think the only word in there that actually matters is anxiety because yeah. a lack of confidence is sometimes very merited. And if you approach a lack of confidence or a lack of experience with beginner's mind mm. and with the intention to grow, then it does not result in anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> so I think insecurity is only insecurity when it is a lack of skills or a lack of confidence that you allow to produce anxiety. Hmm. For instance, I just started a new job and I was talking to somebody on the phone saying like, I'm not sure what to do. And I'm like, I'm kind of waiting around for guidance, but I'm kind of embarrassed to ask. And they were like, they hired you to be an expert. <laughs> like take your own initiative and do what you think the job requires. And I'm like, oh, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm just going to be an expert then. And so it's, it's going to kind of be like, I just have to act with confidence, I guess. You know, and there's a part of me that's like, okay, I'm looking back on the experience that I have professionally. There's no reason that I shouldn't be able to bring confidence to this position, right? Yeah. And then looking at like the level of expertise that I would like to bring to the position, I'm like, well, I might have a little bit of imposter syndrome, but that's okay. Like I can combat that with a little bit of faking it till I make it, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's funny when you realize how many people are just faking it until they make exactly. it like no one has a plan. Yeah. But it's not, it's also not pretending that I know things I don't know. Yeah. It's just, it's just assuming that what I decide is a good idea will end up actually being a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's where, like, I wonder if that's what Andy meant by his quote, you know, about kind of pushing it too far. It, it almost, it brings me back as it always does to the influencers, you know, of like, what is happening is just patently bullshit. Like it's just, it's bad advice. You aren't actually where you're representing yourself to be. Like, and I mean like the more stereotypical influencer, not somebody who just might be in a position of influence on social media, but like mm -hmm. the ones around a lot of like diet fads or whatever, things like a lot of fitness stuff. Mm. Um, it's like that isn't inspiring, even if somebody feels inspired by it because it's not leading you in a direction that's going to actually help you grow because it's not, true it's like they just got the lighting right and <laughs> there's such a difference between something like that like you're saying you know you don't want to like deliberately lie about like your skills or like say this is totally gonna work and have no idea like all the time but 
in between that and just being like clinically humble, there's a lot of faking it till you make it or just kind of like, yeah, taking your own initiative and throwing your own hat into the ring because it's like, I had that realization at the beginning of COVID, like, and it's, I'm still trying to like trust it, but it was sort of that moment where everybody freaked out. I can't remember if I brought this up on here before, but that moment I realized like everybody was freaking out over like the same stuff that happens on tour or the same stuff that happens just in our professions where it's like, it's all ambiguity. You don't know if anything will ever be okay. You know, you just mm -hmm. kind of like, oh my God, I hope I made mm -hmm. the right choice. It was like, wait, this is what everyone's like going nuts about and day drinking about and hasn't taken off their pajamas in two weeks <laughs> about. Like, this is just yeah. the last 10 fucking years. Like, <laughs> and I just kind of realized like, oh my God, no one has a plan. Mm -hmm. Like, no one knows what the hell they're doing. They just, things were kind of going okay for a while and now they're mm -hmm. not. That's the only change. So it just kind of clicked. Like, that's all anyone's doing. Well, also, I think to go, and you did say that to Andy, actually. Um, <laughs> there are two things that, that I think Andy meant by that quote. And one is, it, it's to prevent two types of disillusionment. And one is the disillusionment of others, and one is the disillusionment of self. So if you have been projecting yourself as a certain thing, we know people who have done this on social media who like just have such a superiority complex <laughs> and like such grandiosity about them. That they're like, their they're humbling would just be satisfying to watch. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. um, So the disillusionment of self is I've been projecting all of this success and, oh no, once I'm actually humbled and realize that I don't have that level of success, that I realize like when I need a GoFundMe, there's no one pitching in. Oh no. You mm. know? that's a disillusionment that you want to avoid. So be real with yourself about who you authentically are and what level of success you genuinely have. The other disillusionment is people who follow you. So if you're an influencer, or in Andy's case, if you are a rapper who is projecting a type of success that you don't have and you're influencing people who want to be just like you, who think, oh, look at him, he's doing what I want to do. I want to be a rapper now too. And then you meet that person and they're living out of a van. <laughs> You want to prevent that disillusionment from right. happening. You want to prevent a kid's dreams from being crushed. Yeah. So those two types of disillusionment are why it does not help to pretend that you have grown to a point where that you haven't actually grown. Yeah. But yeah. that's not the same as faking it till you make it. You yeah. know, that's like pretending you've already made it is, I think, subtly different. At least oh, subtly true. different. Those are very different phrases. Yeah. So we got fake it till you make it versus pretending that you already made it. I love exactly. that. Yeah, because one is at least pacing yourself. <laughs> yeah. And I think when people say fake it till you make it, they're not really faking. It's just kind of, uh, I'm in this like group with a bunch of uh, producers like studying business stuff. And the guy running up, his name is Brian Hood. And he throws out this phrase, this acronym sometimes. I love it. It's called FITFO, figure it the fuck out. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. just like this catch all of like, yeah. When stuff's hard and like you don't have an answer handed to you on a platter, like you just mm -hmm. gotta, it's what you're talking about with the, with the tour thing. It's like, that's probably that the energy that you were so used to. And then when the pandemic happened, you're like, oh yeah, it's like that same sort of thing. Like you don't, yeah. you don't know exactly if this is gonna, I mean, there is definitely like doing that in like a professional context is maybe like not the best thing like depending <laughs> on your role and like what you do there are certain things where you can't just jump in and just try to figure it out and yeah there are other things where like 
someone's like first time performing or something like you don't know how it feels until you do it like you know there's leaps of faith you have to take but it reminds me of um a conan o'brien quote i heard one time where he was talking about like his early days hosting the talk shows and he's like it's just I had to go back to improv. Like I had to go back to like my early days as coming up as a comic and thinking like improv and just, you know, act as if like, yes. And like those rules get you through all of those sort of absurd moments in life where you're like, what the hell, why am I here? Cause he's like, I would have these moments where I'm sitting there looking at like a sitting president or something, just being like, how the fuck am I, what am I supposed to say? (laughs) Like, how am I here? And he's like, I had to just like, go. yes, of course I'm here. Like, because this is where I'm supposed to be today. Like, this is what I'm going to do. And, like, it's like that was just the shift that I had to kind of do. And it, I always found that really kind of cool. And I've, I've seen it happen in, like, an improv context where the stakes are infinitely lower compared to something like that. But it's still scary. But it's like, you know, it, you just kind of pretend that this makes sense and that this is supposed to happen. But you're also not misrepresenting yourself. You're not You're not lying, you know? Right you're just kind of shifting your posture away from like, oh, good God, somebody please validate this so that this is okay to more of a like, I guess I'm here, you know? I guess this is what's going on now. And that's like, that's a pretty healthy shift. And you're you're not, people will feed off of that, you know? And mm-hmm. again, as long as you're not like lying about material things, like in a professional setting, like another book uh, that was great about this was um, that Gene Kranz book. He's describing that same issue sometimes where he's like, I'm essentially solely responsible for getting three men home from space and like they might not get home from space and that was to me the clearest example of not misrepresenting skill sets like they had to go in there and be the most kick-ass engineers they knew how to be but they Mm -hmm. also had to deal with something that was completely undeniably unprecedented Mm -hmm. and so he had he described in so many points in there where like you know leading with that confidence of like i need 200 people in the Capcom and whatever to like look at me and understand that like okay we're going in this direction but also hey if anyone has any idea how the hell to fix this <laughs> and it was really cool as a guy just I cannot fathom it on that scale because it's like it's Apollo I mean good god but like you know it's all the way up and down from that level to where we are here it seems like that's the recipe you see in all of these situations all these interviews like that's always what gets people through it at least in the beginning So before we get too uh, locked up into anything else, Owen, I wanted to ask you too about top-down growth. Uh, So I kind of made up that term. I guess to describe it simply, the the best way I can describe it is if if you think of like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, how it usually goes from like, what is it, like physical needs to like safety, love and belonging, pride, self-esteem, and Mm self-actualization. I feel like there's certain people where like their growth goes a little bit almost backwards. So it's one of the interesting factors I feel like is if you think about when a kid is raised, the way we're brought up as children is like parents are doing a lot of things for us and it allows them to kind of start in that self-actualization phase, mm-hmm. which is kind of, it's so weird. Cause like, it's not like the same hierarchy. And when you think of like the journey from children to adult is not the journey from like, meeting your physical needs to self-actualization. It's sometimes it's like the other way, like maybe someone can grow up so used to all these comforts and then 
they have to hit adulthood and it's like now you're learning that you got to pay rent you got to find a job you know all this other stuff that's more related to the lower part of the pyramid like the survival stuff and so it's just an interesting trajectory because i feel like some people and like this is something i notice in myself is getting stuck in that kind of self-actualization heady mode where it's like you want to make art all the time or you just want to like you know hang out and it's all about the growth and like the fun and the creativity but then like growing up i feel like i'm running into more situations where it's like i have to learn to be like a lot more practical (laughs) and like top-down growth to me is like for a person who kind of naturally has a heady imagination and like creativity and this like push for self-actualization but they really need to be humbled to be like bro do your laundry do your dishes (laughs) you know like that sort of energy and i think it also has a bit of a relevance with Um, people have gone through trauma because I think they naturally, it challenges your survival mode so strongly that I think a lot of those people, their coping mechanism is to go straight to self-actualization and just do something fun and creative where they don't have to think about that. And then Mm -hmm. it's like part of healing from the trauma is learning how to get back into your body and your survival needs. And it's like the whole idea of like, why do people dissociate and disconnect from their body? Like the connection to the body is like literally what helps you survive. Like if you were to be like attacked or something, but it's like they've already experienced that. And that's like a pain that they don't want to go back to. So the idea of like getting stuck in your head is almost like you're struggling to do that top down growth and like grow back into your roots and like face kind of like the tough, boring aspects of life, you know, that are more practical. Yeah. And less creative and about like growth and expansion and all this fun stuff, you know? So I think about that a lot. It's something I've had to develop that those roots. Do you think there are people who look at the hierarchy of needs and go like, okay, how would I envision myself self-actualized? And again, as we were talking about earlier, like who you want to be is very rarely like the person that you should be trying to be. If your motivations really, are though? corrupt. I don't know if I agree with that. I don't mean it literally. I mean like the motivation underneath the desire to be something that you are not. Huh. You know, like I should have worded it better. Maybe that's a wisdom that you know that I don't <laughs> because I feel like I feel like I'm always going after the person I want to be. You're always going after circumstances that you want. Hmm. Wait. I'm not, I'm I'm trying to understand this in the moment. This is interesting. <laughs> We're all trying to change our circumstances, right? To be more comfortable in our environment, to be more financially stable, to be more fulfilled in our day-to-day lives, in our professional lives, in our careers, in our social lives, whatever. For some people, the motivation to do that, I would say for many people, the motivation to do that is because we think that we will fundamentally change. Like the reasons that we are unhappy with aspects of ourselves will be alleviated because we will fundamentally change as people once we are that future version of ourselves. But we don't have to change as people in order to find that comfort. We can change our circumstances to find comfort. If we're unhappy with ourselves, we need to change the lens through which we view ourselves, not necessarily who we are. But I actually view that as changing who you are. It's not like I'm transforming from Owen Korzak to Joel Mancha. Right, right. But like, say our goal is to change our circumstances. Mm -hmm. Does that 
naturally change us as a person in the process? And I would say yes, because you're going to learn completely different things and you're going to develop new mindsets and paradigms to be able to sit in that identity better. But I've heard of people who like the idea that people like chasing the external things they want, but then not doing the internal growth. And then it's like, it's hard to maintain those external things because you are not growing with it. So that's kind of how I view it in my mind. Yeah. Does that relate or is that completely different? I you don't even know if that's contradicting or not. No, you bring up a good point with the external and internal because I think like a lot of what I'm talking about is superficial reward that comes at the end of like chasing a certain version of yourself, right? I do think that if our circumstances change, we do not entirely change as people because if you view a human life on a linear timeline – like your past is still the same. Your collection of experiences and memories are still the same. And therefore you are still you just accruing new memories and experiences. So I don't know that that is like that that changes you fundamentally as a person. I will say that I feel like a fundamentally different person now than I was 10 years ago, five years ago, mm -hmm. whatever. But I also... I, I still have the collection of memories and experiences as a 35-year-old person that I had as a 25-year-old person. That all still affects me and that all still is my pathology. That all still informs me, informs who I want to be, I guess, or like that all informs what I am capable of being. That all informs who I'm interested in being. And that all changes along the way as you accrue more memories and experiences. But I don't think that you can ever fundamentally change into a different person. And I think what a lot of people want when they want to grow is to transcend, you know, the problems that they've had in the past, transcend the bad memories that they wish to get away from, transcend the poverty that they've experienced or transcend the suffering that they've endured by being somebody who suffers less but that doesn't get rid of the memory of suffering or the experience of suffering. And so you're always going to be somebody who has endured that. And I think we want to transcend without learning or transcend without learning how to view our suffering through a positive lens and see how it affects, it can affect us positively with certain kinds of suffering, mind you. I don't think that all kinds of suffering are, <laughs> are beneficial or like a healthy learning experience, but there's a version of growth and a version of wanting to be a quote unquote different person or a different version of yourself that is learning from why your present self is not fulfilling you. But I don't think having learned that makes you different. I think having learned that just helps you to grow, <laughs> you know? I think you make a really good point that you can't change your past. Like, I think something that really ties us into our past and kind of prevents the extreme growth mindset or what, or what have you is our own biology. We just physically can't change things more than a human can change. You know, mm -hmm. you're not going to change as fast as just like some ideal image in your imagination. You know, it's sort of like the idea of like, wanting to change too fast you know like there's going to be a pace to it and it's also going to be limited by 
you know, the support and resources around if you're still figuring that out. Or like, I really believe in like dreaming as big as possible in whatever way you want to. Like some people want to dream like super unrealistic, like that's their thing, like an Elon Musk sort of character Mm -hmm. or something. And then others of us like just don't have that big a dream. And then like people fall in the middle. And I think that all does a lot to drive our biology in the direction we're trying to go, but it's not like we are machines, you know? Hmm. So like, I would think of that chasing the dream is like our self that we are becoming all the time. Like it's changing and it's moving all the time, but we also have static qualities. And like, I don't think all of that is due to fixed mindset. Like there's like, I'm not going to grow to be six, seven tall, you know, like that just doesn't, it's not physically possible. So there's like certain um, limitations we have, which it's, I find it interesting how much the brain can grow though. And even like, there was probably a time where we thought that the way someone's trauma affected them is just it. But then like things like EMDR comes out and then it's like, you know, there's deeper levels of healing being found, which is interesting you know like who knows what it'll get to but we're definitely not we're not robots we're not machines we don't just press a button and we're a different person not too proud of the world we left behind maybe it's for the good worn prejudice are all left here to die no, it's interesting. Like all of it that we've talked about here kind of just really cast a brighter light on how um, tall that self-actualization part of that pyramid is can get, you know, as humanity develops. I as... didn't even ask the question. <laughs> what? I started asking a question like 15 <laughs> minutes ago and then that happened. <laughs> Do you want to now? <laughs> what I was going to ask is like thinking about the self-actualization pyramid top down, the hierarchy of needs top down. I wonder if anybody has ever thought of like, okay, this is who I ultimately want to be. And then can I work my way backwards? Like that version of, of top down, like start at the top of the period as oh, like a man. If I want to manifest this as who I want to be, then like, okay, what do I need to be just before that? And then like, just kind of with the, with the fake it till you make it thing. Like, Assume that I am this person. What will I have accomplished here? Then here. Then here. Then here. And then like work your way down from the top. Oh, and that's yeah. a cool way to look like, at it. I think of that as reverse engineering. Like I would. Yeah. That's not basically. my top-down concept. The way I think of it, but like, yeah. I mean, like, if you have a real specific goal, that's the, probably the way to do it. Is to dream up that end result and then start. I remember there was a time in my life where I actually felt like I had my current self and like my dream and. It was almost, I remember describing this to a mentor. I was like, I can't see like the inner path, you mm-hmm. know? And it was, I'm trying to remember how I sort of figured that out. I don't think I went backwards from the end goal. I think I focused more on like, what is the next step? But what do you guys think? Like, do you think that's possible to just make a lofty end goal and just trace everything backwards? Like and just would reverse that engineer? be efficient? I don't know. No, I think it's like beginning with the end in mind. Like you could probably definitely depends on the end goal. And as far as, you know, whether or not you'll make it to that goal or not, like that kind of is contextual and, you know, remains to be seen, I guess, depending on the person. But I could totally see that working. It also, I think you would 
potentially have the risk of like changing along the way. Like if you really locked in on that goal and said, I'm going right. to do this thing, like you would have to be very careful to kind of keep that beginner's mindset, keep the growth mindset because yeah. you're going to encounter all sorts of shit along the way. But, but yeah. Oh, and I was curious too, if um, your death meditation ties in at all with a version of beginning with that oh. end in mind, because in a way that is a flip side of that. Like you're beginning with the very, very end in mind in a sense, or you're like so, considering it from that point of view. Yeah. And I guess, so the way I do it is like, I have like a guided meditation for this, which is, you got to imagine you died right now. Mm -hmm. And then it basically just starts asking questions. You know, what would you regret? What would you change? What did you wish you told your parents and your closest friends? What did you wish you did in your career? What do you wish you cared more about or cared less about? So like the, the first part of it is visualizing like the actual situation and like when they talk about like when you die and like you have these flashbacks of everything, it's like you're going to that place mentally first mm. and like finding that truth. And then it's like, okay, you're, you're coming back alive. What are you going to do differently? So it pins you into that truth where it's like, you, you don't have your ego anymore. Like you're just seeing the reality of how you felt about your life. And then thinking about, all right, now you're going to be back to life. What can you change right now? And yeah, it's, it's interesting what's come up with that. Like for me, a lot of times it has highlighted wanting to be more socially connected and kinder to people. Another aspect is like wanting to share more. Like, like it really makes you think about stuff of like, you know, unfinished songs on your hard drive that you just showed no one, you know, <laughs> yeah. stuff like that. It could be any number of different things. I've, I've been doing this like about once a month for many years. And it's definitely, I don't know if it's like begin with the end in mind, but it, it tunes me into legacy better mm -hmm. than anything else. It's like, am I really living for what I want to do rather than like the day to day? Cause like, and that, that comes up a lot in that meditation is like, I'll be fixated on something day to day. Like how much money am I making? Or like projects currently on my plate or they even talk about it as like would you still have grudges with person with people that you're kind of feeling odd about and usually like it's funny like when you really hit that truth of like the end of things like no i wouldn't have wanted to hate that person that much you know mm. uh, or maybe you do but <laughs> it's usually for me it's like a good way of connecting to my almost like my spiritual truth in a way of like this is how I really feel. This is my actual values when I'm not in the day to day, just because you get zoomed in. You're like, this is what I'm going to do today. This is what's due next week, you know, or like this thing happened recently to me and it's like bothering me. Like the death meditation, it makes you zoom completely out to like, like now you have to analyze your entire life. And I think that's really good for with the growth mindset thing. It's like figuring out which way you want to grow. Because like other people are going to want you to grow a different way. Your ego is going to want you to grow a different way. But like what I would call my spiritual truth, it's like that pure desire. It's not like getting caught up in the small things. It's yeah. like, what are your major values that you want to live by? You know, so it's been a great way to tune into that, which is something growing up. I feel like I was kind of just like going with the flow. And this helps me be really like intentional with how I'm living. So I like yeah. that. It kind of, the way I've been visualizing just growth, the way we've talked about it tonight, just kind of throughout this whole conversation is, um, you know, those um, those diagrams where it shows you sort of the 
the graph of like how a stock or an index is doing, but then you see kind of the red and the green, those little points, when you actually look closely at it, they're indicators of how you've fluctuated during the day. So from market open to market close. Okay. So you can see the entire graph. If you look at it kind of zoomed out, you can see like this is how this thing is doing and how it's trending over time and what its value might be or whatever. But if you zoom way in, you can see like this is how much of a shit it took this day or this is how great it did today or whatever. And so I, I really like the idea of doing the death meditation, but specifically, I don't know if you do it on like an actual like regular schedule, but the idea of doing it in like monthly increments or something like that. Honestly, it's one of those things I, it's a routine, but I have no actual schedule to it because I like to wait for the feeling of like, I feel like a little spiritually lost, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go put my mind in this place and see what truths show up, you know? Yeah. And I like that. Cause it's sort of, it seems like it, I mean, again, just kind of from the outside, but like, it seems like it allows you to sort of live a little bit more mindfully or a little bit in the moment day to day, but also you have these moments where you can step out and see like, how is all of this shit trending? Like how is, how on average am I doing in relation to what I want to be? Cause both of those will be toxic over time. If you don't sort of snap out of one and go check out the other, like if you stay focused on what's my legacy going to be or like, what will things be like when I'm dead? Like all the time that will drive <laughs> you insane. And like, it, it'll become a very superficial way of living. Whereas if you go completely the other way, granted, some people can live very much in the moment, every moment of their life and be totally happy. But if you want to kind of keep tabs on your ambitions or keep tabs on your dreams or whatever, like it's going to be necessary to flip between the two and one will eventually suck the life out of the other. So it's kind of, I don't know, to me, that's just a really cool way to make sure both of those are, are humming along the way that you want them to. And for some reason, that diagrams what's been in my head for the whole time we've been yeah. talking about this. But And I always, uh, the other thing you do at the end is you got to like write down what you thought because it's like you're in that emotional state. And as soon as like you go do something regular in life, you're just going to like kind of forget. So, yeah. so I have this ongoing journal of all the things I've written down. It's so interesting to see the patterns. Like I'll see certain things where I'm writing it down like each month, like, and I'm still not getting to it. It really like shines a light on procrastination. If there's something like you only think about when you're in that headspace, but in your day to day life, you just keep putting it off and yeah. off. Like, cause there's so many escapes we can make in life. And this is just a way to sort of not escape your own truth, you know, Yeah. which is helpful for me. I think some people like their personality naturally kind of is in that zone all the time. For me, it's not that way. So I, I have to actually do a practice to like, click into it more and it's become more habitual over the years but yeah if tomorrow was the end of all we had and all we ever knew it's what i do it's what i do unless anyone else has anything else to add like substantially i have kind of one final question we've been asking people lately and then i have a follow-up to that question okay <laughs> two questions nice yeah so why live? Why live? Yeah. Wow. If you had to just answer that question like any other question. Why not? That's, I, my, that's answer. my answer half the time. <laughs> 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 it's a fucking cop out there. I see through you. <laughs> no, I mean, that's, that's maybe even a great example of the day-to-day, -day like almost the opposite of what we were just talking about. Because like the whole death meditation thing is like, you're actually figuring that out. Like why live? But mm -hmm. yeah. I'm just on a podcast right now. I'm like... <laughs> 
life is good, man. I'm, I'm here. <laughs> yeah. It's like it's so interesting. It, it can just get so superficial at the same time, just depending how you see it. I'd say like as for a more <laughs> genuine answer, <laughs> it's so funny because it also makes me think of like it's just practically easier to live. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's valid, though. Like it counts. Like, <laughs> Yeah. That probably sounds really dark. No, I, I, I'm not mm. actually thinking like that. <laughs> well, I don't think there's any right or wrong. The reason it interests me so much as a question and why it's so fun to just kind of ask it without any real context to the question itself is just you only ever hear it from you know existentialists or people <laughs> who are like actively suicidal and it's always framed in this kind of like why live as opposed to why not die right now like that's always kind of the the counter to it it's like why die <laughs> you know? yeah and when those are valid ways to ask it too but like no one ever really answers it like why is it worth doing all of this you know yeah. it's just it's hard to pin it down sometimes. Yeah. You know, it's fun. I mean, to to get back to like a genuine answer, I think this goes into like individual personality things. Like, like my life is sort of taken on this path of like being talented and artistic. And like, that's kind of my, my thing in like just having a strength that I can offer that is, it's funny. I'm, I'm a horrible, I go straight to career things when I think about like life purpose, which is kind of unhealthy yeah, sometimes. We, we but, know you, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all know me. Um, but yeah, so I'm not even going to get specific with it because if you think about why live, it's like something that's been driving us since we we're young. So it's like you get to do fun things, you get to help people, mm -hmm. you get to, you know, express yourself, which is like me with creativity. I really like inspiring people. Is something that comes up a lot. I, hmm. I really like this question because it makes me really think about uh, the idea of like being, not doing. Like for me, it's like I'm living because I'm a producer and I do this and that. You know, it's like, no, that's not the only reason I'm living. I'm living because it's nice to be a human being and to, to have things I've built up. You know, I've built up skill sets and the way I connect with people like social connection is an amazing reason to live and to just experience things together. Like now we're getting into the non-career answer. Finally, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so funny. Like I almost feel like my vulnerability is exposed in terms of like my tendencies of how surface level I might tend to think, you know, sometimes mm -hmm. or like, Oh, like just like, this is my identity. This is who I am. And like, sometimes we don't question that enough of like, there's even more to like, living like life is a very complex thing that yeah. we choose to embark on and it's got to be subject to change too because it's i mean it, i promise you it doesn't get an easier to answer with time because i mean i've had this question kicking around my head for a little while and it, i don't have a stock answer that i'm comfortable with remotely and i don't think i could give anything you know meaningful like if i was pinned down <laughs> you know it's just one of those things that it's like but we're all doing it. Like literally just all of us who are hearing this or thinking about this or whatever, we're all actively doing it. Imagine if it was any other activity. Imagine if it was driving and you're behind <laughs> the wheel and you have no fucking idea why, but you haven't pulled over and you probably won't until someone nudges you off the road. <laughs> like it would be insane. You'd be like, why the fuck is like, this is terrifying. <laughs> what the hell's happening? And like, you just don't have to think about it in those terms, but it, it's interesting to think about it in those terms sometimes. I get a kick out of it. So. Yeah. Jill, what are your uh, follow-ups? So Matt and I had different approaches to the idea of meaning-making as we were 
kind of considering different topics to kick around with with guests. And as Matt was posing the question, why live? I was posing the question, how do we bring order to chaos? And we were defining meaning making in not completely different ways. I would argue that they're adjacent. But to answer the question, why live? I think we need to examine like the paradigms that we would use to find fulfillment or the disciplines that we would use to find fulfillment. And so if we're talking about growth as a method of meaning making, is the reason to live, to grow? And it's like, oh, well, if we are here anyway, and we see that growth is possible, can I engage in growth or engage, uh, grow within a paradigm or use a paradigm to inspire growth in me? And will that paradigm bring order to the chaos that is existence? And so when I look about, like, in my version of that question, how do we bring order to chaos? How does growth inspire order? Yeah, I'm. it, it kind of makes me think of, like, order is quite a reason for growth sometimes, you know? Like, we're, we're sort of, like, sometimes the drive to live and do what we do is almost like a drive to, like, bring things into more of a harmony mm-hmm. with each other. Mm-hmm. And so I could see order as... First of all, just wanting to do good, which is, I find it really interesting that like the vast majority of humans do have that goal just naturally. But I think given that in mind, that that's kind of our collective goal, I guess, like how do we bring order to chaos? Like the answer is like pursue your version of good. Mm. You know, <laughs> I like that answer. Yeah. It also reminds me of, I think this was an original concept by George Bernard Shaw, but it's a concept of creative evolution. And if I remember it correctly, this is something that I often talk about as if I know about it. <laughs> and I've done very little. I only know like the cliff notes out of it. But essentially, like we evolve naturally as humans to have proclivities towards certain thought patterns and certain ideologies and everything. And so like our purpose in being alive while we're alive is to evolve as much as possible while we're alive so that those thought patterns in the next generation are healthy ones and are like empathetic ones. Yeah. So I don't think a lot about the next generation perspective like that, but I've seen it on personality tests where it's like, there's like that one question that's like, <laughs> I'm revealing that I take personality tests for fun right now, but <laughs> it's like, I think one of the interesting questions are like sort of indicators of personality on that is that exact thing of like people who want to leave a the next generation better and i guess there's the opposite of that where i don't know which type it's like correlated with but i guess some people don't care about that (laughs) they're just like just make life fun now i guess is that's probably the opposite mentality like who cares about the future (laughs) i think there's like an innate urge to make things work out in your favor to like even deeper than good and evil and and things like that it's like just very simply like for you and yours you just want shit to go right and you know you want the most good things in your corner and uh (laughs) not in like a necessarily in like a cutthroat or i don't know like greedy way or anything but just kind of whatever you identify as as your your crew or your world or your world view or what you know just whatever universe you don't want to be shaken you want to attach as many good things as you can to that at all times and i don't know it's a sort of a non-answer but it seems 
like that drives a lot of behavior. And I think the ways in which we, oh Christ, now I can't remember the <laughs> phrasing that you used. Just now? Yeah, when you started yeah. that thought. It's gone, man. Okay, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's important that like when we look at the ways in which we are like self-satiating and looking out for our own experiences that we not be solipsistic in doing so, Yeah. right? For instance, if I can look at somebody who is not returning a shopping cart to the corral, I can assume that they're not very good at being considerate of other people. Now, maybe that's because I've been in the situation where I'm tending to the carts before when I was younger and had a job at a grocery store. And so I can like I can see how those people might be frustrated by someone's lack of concern for their not necessarily well-being, but their like ease of life, you know. But people say that that's a very good test of someone's ethics as if they do something that is not necessary, not required by law, but is still a like an objectively kind thing to do. It's safe to say that if you see somebody not doing that, then they do not have as much regard as you would like them to for your safety and your well-being and your ease of life. So I think that when we look at things like how do we make the world better for the future generation rather than just satiating ourselves for the moment, which, sure, sometimes that's necessary. Sure, sometimes we don't want to clean out plastic containers and recycle them. Mm. And that might have an effect on the next generation. We'll make their world a little bit more polluted and our world a little bit easier for the moment. Sure, yeah. sometimes that's okay. But also those add up. And so if everybody does that and if everybody has that solipsistic approach to satiating themselves in the moment, easing their own burdens in the moment and not doing a little bit of extra work, if everybody does that, that adds up real quick. If for one day no one recycled their plastic bags, we've got a world full of plastic bags the next day. Yeah. If for one day nobody returns their carriage to the shopping corral, then guess what? That grocery store is paying <laughs> like a lot of overtime <laughs> and yeah. is then going to have to raise their prices to make up for it. You know, like mm. things have chain reactions. And if we go about our interactions with the world solipsistically and with disregard for our impact on the future, it actually does make the future worse. So I think like evolving as individuals throughout our lifespan is just as much about improving our own experience while on this earth as it is about our effect on the chain reaction. Yeah, well said, man. And that's our show. Thank you to Owen Korzik for joining us for this episode. And once again, thank you to Harrison Goodall and Justin Davis for providing the score. You can find them all on social media if you like what you heard. And to stay in touch with us, you can follow us on social media as well. And as always, if you have any questions or comments or concerns, you can send an email to blackmarkettherapypodcast at gmail.com. We hope you join us next time when we'll be celebrating our 100th episode with what we think are the funniest and most entertaining clips from all of the interviews and conversations that we've had. And we'll be taking the chance to celebrate some of our favorite musical moments as well. Until then. <laughs>